What's up, you guys? It's your boy Tony West, and I'm with my man Jarrell Wheeler, and we are on week nine, episode nine, man. It's crazy, man. This season is just flying by. Uh, we're all in the week nine, all things college football podcast. Um, Jarrell, before we get everything started, man, how how you doing, man? I know you're a little sick, but uh, how you doing? Yeah, man, it's been a long weekend. I got sick Saturday night. Yesterday, I was just I was just out of it. Like I didn't do anything Sunday. But now it's uh, clearing up, and uh, my a and boys lost this weekend, So and Florida State lost as well. So it's been a tough weekend. Tough weekend, yeah, I understand that one. Um, yeah, it was a pretty good weekend of football, college football. Better than what I actually expected, uh, to be completely honest. And, you know, I do hope that you get to feeling better, which sounds like you already kind of started to feel better now. So that's good. But uh, let's jump right into it, man. Let's get into the biggest game of the weekend, which was the Florida Gators and the Georgia Bulldogs linking up in their rivalry game in Jacksonville like they do every year. Um, and it's kind of crazy because I, I told you – I felt like Georgia was going to put their foot on the gas on Florida. And I was kind of right. I think last week I predicted a 31 to 14 type win and the score was 36 to 17. So I was kind of close on my prediction, but the score ended up, ended up being 36 to 17. Um, Jake Fromm, let's talk about him on third down. He was amazing. Um, throughout the game, Jake Fromm went 17 for 24, 240 yards and three touchdowns. And I want to say all three of those touchdowns, passes were on third down so that was huge um deandre swift had an amazing game 12 carries 104 yards and he had 8.7 yards of carry and a touchdown and then elijah uh holyfield as well had a pretty good game he had 20 carries for 71 yards and then receiving wise um isaiah nuka i might be saying his name wrong he had five receptions for uh, 73 yards and uh Jeremiah Holloman had a good game. He had four receptions for 48 yards and two touchdowns. And then Terry Godwin also had a good touchdown, kind of put the ice on the game there uh, with um, a little bit, basically kind of putting Georgia over over top. He had one catch for 24 yards, and, and that was the one touchdown. And then on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Monte Rice had a really good game. He had 11 tackles. And uh, Richard LaConte also had seven tackles as well. And Jonathan Ledbetter was another guy that was kind of all over the field. He had seven tackles as well. And then um, just to talk about Florida stats real quick before we really dive into things, Felipe Franks is, you know, I, I thought he was better than what was advertised because I, I seen people at the beginning of the year giving Felipe Franks a lot of praise, but I think he still has a lot of development to do it. And I think the deep, the difference in this game was the quarterback. I mean, Georgia had a quarterback, Florida didn't. Um, but let me just get into his stats real quick. He went 13 for 21, 105 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, Michael Piron had 14 carries for 62 yards, as well as Jordan Scarlett. He had eight carries for uh, 56 yards. And then Felipe Franks did get in the end zone one time, but he did have eight carries for 30 yards. And then wide receiving-wise, I mean, it was a bad day. Freddie Swain only had two catches for 38 yards and a touchdown. Travion, Travion Graham, he had two uh, receptions for 18 yards. And Kadarius Toney had three receptions for 18 yards. But, I mean, it was bad um, wide receiving-wise. They really couldn't get anything going. But I did like the play of uh, Bosan Joseph. I think he had a good game. He had 13 uh, tackles. And as well as Davis Reese, he had another 11-tackle game. And then Chancey Gardner-Johnson had a 10-tackle game. But just to, like, elaborate on the game, I just, like, you know, went over the stats. Uh, I think Georgia kind of showed, hey, you know, don't forget about us. Just because we had one bad week don't mean – and I kind of told you that I think this week was going to tell a lot about Georgia – and I think Georgia kind of showed me, like, okay, we still here. We might have had a rough week against LSU, but we're still here. We're still the same Georgia team that, you know, everybody's been hyping up for the last year now. We are good, and we are still here. We just took a week off. And they kind of showed me that on Saturday that they're, they're a good team. And they're, they, I think they're only going to lose one game this year, and that was the one game. I think they'll probably get beat by Alabama in the, ACC, in the SEC championship. But um, besides that, I think that Georgia's still a good team. But how do you feel about the game? Um, honestly, uh, I think everybody knew that if uh, Georgia can get it on, get it going on offense, that you know they definitely win this game. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's been a struggle with Florida all season. Is they struggle on offense? And I mean, versus Georgia, you know they had like three turnovers. They turned the ball like three times. Right. And so 
that was really like the main point. I mean, Felipe Franks, you know, 13 for 21, 105 yards, one TD, one interception. Which that interception was a bad interception. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so, that was a horrible interception. And you know, like you said, uh, Georgia's got running on offense. You know, I, I really like that Jake Fromm stepped up. I felt he kind of, you know, ended the, those conversations about Justin Fields taking yeah. the spot. You know, everybody was on that train. You know, early this season, but I, I really like that Jake Fromm stepped up and you know won that ball game for him. And you know, the third down thing, you know, that was amazing. And he just played well, and and uh, and uh, Swift and uh, Holyfield, they both played well as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, Swift broke that long one to end to kind of like sealed it up. Mm-hmm. And you know, Georgia, you know, them running backs ain't, ain't nothing to play with. Right. But one thing I was kind of like really impressed though was where Fromm hit uh, Holloman for those two touchdowns. Oh yeah, I, I believe one that was that was great catches by Holloman. But I believe it was on the same corner. I think it was yep. like the same play. And, you know, they ain't going to any ball games. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I, it was a great one for Georgia. You know, like you said, you know, let everybody know, you know, not to forget about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think – and I, I remember those two. And I think both of those those were kind of like back corner fades type passes that yeah. he threw. And, I mean, they both were really good. I'm trying to remember the guy – that they went to on that. They kept attacking him because, you know, they have Marco Wilson. He's out. And then um, the other guy that they had at corner, he, uh, Henderson, he's out too. He was out too in that game. So they really went after them bad. I cannot remember who that corner was. They kept getting toasted. I know. I know. It was it was the guy with the – They had a, was it the same guy that had to leave the game for knee pads or something like that? I think so. Yeah, I'm not oh, sure. It was, like, was it McWilliams? Yeah, I think it was McWilliams. Yeah, I think it was C.J. McWilliams. And he's a sophomore out of Miami, Florida. Um, But he, yeah, he had a rough night. I mean, he did have two pass uh, breakups in the game, but they attacked him all night. They went after him pretty bad. Uh, For Florida, I think for Florida Gator fans, the good thing that you're about to hear, I think you guys' future is bright. I think that team is super talented, young, and you didn't have two of your best players on defense on the field. Um, so, I mean, and, I mean, at that, it was a point in that game where that game was actually pretty close. Um, really into the fourth quarter when Georgia kind of started pulling away. Um, Florida, I don't think they have anything to hang their heads on. But you would probably want to see Emory Jones, I think, if you have a chance on beating Georgia or a team like Georgia. Um, but, yeah, Felipe Franks, I don't think is it. Um, that costly, you know, fumble that he had. And Georgia basically walked it in the end zone at that point. Yeah, that was a that was a that that basically gave the game up when he did that. Um, Florida, they'll probably run the rest of their games and go ten and two. Yeah, for the regular yeah. season. But to me, it just doesn't feel like they'll they'll if they go ten and two, it just felt like there wasn't really a strong ten and two. You know right. what I'm saying? But right, yeah, but, no, I think I think their future is bright. I, I'm more concerned with their future. I think. With them having a first-year coach, Dan Mullen, and all that, and the yeah. helm, I think they're going to be good in like a year or two. Um, I think even this year they're kind of ahead of schedule. I didn't expect Florida to be six and two at this point. Maybe, maybe, mm, maybe a four and four. Maybe I didn't expect them to be six and two at this point. So I mean, to me, they're a little ahead of schedule, honestly. So I don't think Florida has nothing to hang their heads on. And I think Georgia. I mean, we kind of got to put them back in that conversation. Like, I think a lot of people um, just think that, you know, they lost that one game. Oh, forget it. It's over. You know, I think – and I told you this last week. I said Georgia has the chance to be that that one team that you cannot take your eyes off of. Them in Oklahoma. And that's why I told you I still believe in Oklahoma. I still believe in Georgia. Because, I mean, these guys are 18 to 23 years old. They're going to have off nights. That happens. That's okay. It happens. I mean, they're college students. They're going to have off nights. So I don't think that, you know, that's something that we can't put into this equation. I mean, Georgia had an off night and LSU dominated them. Um, And that's just the facts. And I think this week kind of showed Georgia's, you know, toughening up and saying, hey, you know, we're still here. We're still that good team that everybody's talked about. And I think that's important for Georgia's confidence as well. Right, right. 
I think it's very important for Georgia's confidence to know that, you know, hey, now if they would have came out and got beat this week, I'd have been like, all right, you know, this ain't looking too good. But the fact that they came back and fought and played the way they played, very impressive from Georgia. I think Fromm deserves a lot of credit because all week I heard people doubting Fromm, saying he wasn't that good, you know, saying it might be time for Fields. I mean, I heard it all this week from even Georgia fans were saying that. So I think this was a big win for him and the program as well. And I think it continues to get better for that Georgia program. I think they are right there with the Clemson and Alabamas and Ohio States of the world. I mean, I really do think they, they have a really good team down there in Athens. All right. Yep. So I do think that's a good team. But another team I'm starting to think may just be a good team is the Washington State Cougars, man. I'm starting to really get impressed by them. Um, they went on and beat Stanford, um, you know, on Saturday in a really close barn burner game. It was back to back type scoring. Washington State won forty one to thirty eight. Um, and I mean, I was really impressed. And it was at Stanford too. Uh, I was really impressed with, uh, like I said, the quarterback Gardner Minshew. And actually, he's a former ECU quarterback. So ECU, they dropped the ball on Lincoln Riley. They dropped the ball on um, uh, Ruffin McNeil. They dropped the ball now on Gardner Minshew. I mean, it's a lot of guys ECU has dropped the ball on. So I just had to throw that in there real quick. But Gardner uh, Minshew, he had a good game, man. 40 for 50, uh, 438 yards, three touchdowns with a QBR of 87.3. And then running the ball, they didn't really do too much on the run. They only had 59 yards total running. Um, so they didn't do too much running. James Williams had eight carries for 30 yards, but he did have two touchdowns. But wide receiving-wise, I mean, he was distributing the ball everywhere. Desmond Patton, which was a guy that made a lot of big plays in that game, had 10 receptions, 127 yards, as well as Jameer uh, Calvin. He had three catches for 102 yards. And also, James Williams had a big game with nine uh, catches and 79 yards. So he was really spreading the ball out. Um, and, you know, he really did a good job with getting the ball out. And, I mean, they had several – they had over eight people touch the ball reception-wise. I think that is tremendous. I mean, he really was spreading the ball around. Then on the defense side of the ball, uh, we had Jahad Woods. He had six uh, tackles, and as well as Peyton Puler. I, might, I think I said his name right, Puler. Um, he had seven tackles. And then on the Stanford side of the ball, KJ Castillo, Castillo actually kind of looked pretty all right this game. He had 34 uh, – he went 34 for 43. Uh, 323 yards and four touchdowns. Then Bryce Love looked a little bit better. He still seems to be struggling, but he did have six carries for 71 yards. And then receiving-wise, those guys that we talked about in that Notre Dame game, they definitely came back to life. Caden Smith had nine receptions for 122, uh, 112 yards and one touchdown. And then J.J. Arcega-Whiteside had 10 catches for uh, 111 yards and two touchdowns. So these guys did have big games. Uh, the same guys that kind of had big games in the Notre Dame game. And then Sean Barton had 10 tackles, and as well as Ajay Hoda had 10 tackles for Stanford. But this was a very exciting game. I kind of kept my eye on it because, you know, I thought it was a pretty good game. I kept my eye on this one. Uh, and normally I don't really keep my eye on Pac-12 games like this one. But this one was actually a good game, a bomb burner. Um, Washington State scored 17 points in the fourth quarter, and they are now in the top 10. What do you think about Washington State, man? Uh well I definitely wasn't paying attention to him all season. <laughs> and when I seen it was seven and one, I was like, oh hold on now, because uh they uh they got some uh they beat Stanford, they beat Oregon, mm-hmm. and they ranked number ten. They only lost coming to UC, I mean USC, <clears throat> excuse me. And like before uh today, I did not know about the quarterback Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. He put up four hundred and he actually got three thousand. You know. Over 2,000 yards in the season so far. Right. And the coach for Washington State pretty much was saying, you know, he should be getting, you know, Heisman considerations. And, you know, I don't know about all that, but I would give Washington State some kind of credit. But you know what's crazy, though? And I don't want to sound like a Pac 12 hater again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I'm I mean, about. we've already been labeled Pac 12 haters before. This is nothing new. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> they got Cal, Colorado, Arizona, and Washington next. I think it'll be particular. Actually, I think it'll be just a Pac-12 fashion for them to get upset in one of these four games. I was just thinking that because Washington just lost a cow. Didn't nobody see that coming? 
Yeah, so they'll. I think they're gonna mess around and either lose to Washington or actually any of these games. They'll mess. I think they can mess around and lose any of these uh, wrestling games. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely can see that happening. But they, watch out. I, I think Colorado's not that good, but I would still watch out for that, though. Yeah, so, you know, hats off to Washington State for a great season because I, I don't know the last time they've been good. Yeah, uh, no, not this good. Yeah, they no. ain't getting the playoffs, though. No, out. yeah, yeah, they're probably not getting in the playoffs, no. But they are having a good season. I think Mike Leach, I mean, he always kind of keeps a good team when he when he has the talent around him. So I think they are doing a good job. I think Washington is very impressive what they're doing. Stanford is kind of having a down year though, but I still don't want to discredit, you know, Wazoo and uh, what they did. Cause they just beat a good Oregon team too the other week ago. So I don't want to really discredit them from, for, you know, playing good ball because that's what they're doing. They're playing some good football right now. So I don't want to take that away from Washington. I think they do have a tremendously talented team. I like uh, Gardner Minshew. I think he's a good guy. I think he's very uh, talented. Like I said, he was at ECU. And, you know, I have friends that played on that ECU team and told me, like, this guy is talented, you know, and he's actually being able to showcase that at Washington State. So I think that's very important for him in his career. I mean, that looks like now that turned out to be a good move that he went on ahead and, you know, transferred up there to Washington State. It's looking like, you know, it, it turned out to be pretty good for him. Right. And uh, I forgot all about Washington, the Huskies. And I don't know. I mean, Stanford, though, with Stanford, I think it just shows how much Bryce Love means to that, you know, offense. And he's still not 100%, you know, right. fit. Because I mean, you're talking about the dude that was being considered for Heisman. Right. And, you know, he's still in, you know, his past game. It didn't break over 100. I'm not sure if he did the week before that, but you know, he's having a bright type of season or a housing type of season. So I just think that, um, you know, Stanford and their struggles, you know, not having Bryce at 100%, you know, it, it's, it's just starting to show. Because now, I mean, I think uh, how many times they throw the ball? I know they threw the 43 ball. 43 times. Yeah, 43 times. Yeah, come on, man. That's I, I think, crazy. I, th- I think I think uh, Stanford would be a lot better if they had you know Bryce one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, Bryce. Yeah, I, I I agree with you on that. If Bryce was one hundred percent, I think you know we're seeing a different um, Stanford team. I think we're not looking at a five and three team because I mean they're basically running their offense through him. So I think that would be the difference in that um, that their offense would flow a lot better than what it is. I mean they they played a good game this week. Don't get me wrong, but it just seems like Bryce Love. And you know what? I'm, I know this is kind of off topic, but I'm kind of concerned about his draft stock at this point too, because like after this type of season, he's had these lingering inch issues. Do you think his draft stock will probably drop a little bit? Yeah, definitely. That's what I was thinking. Like now he looks like a he's looking like a day two type pick, like a third or fourth round type pick. If he if he if he was really concerned about you know his draft stock, then you'll probably see that he won't. Play, you know, whatever ball game Stanford gets yeah. or something like that. And I mean, you know, injury just being hurt, you know, all the time, not 100%. Yeah, that's definitely going to hurt your draft stock. But one more thing I wanted to uh, mention about Stanford, though, is, you know, Bryce Love not having them really hurt some running game because, I mean, JJ Arcega Whiteside, that dude, I want, I know, I know he's projected to go to the NFL. So he's a, he's, he's a pro player in the making. You know, yeah. he's pretty nice too. And I think Stanford would just be more – they would just be a whole lot better, different team if they had to run an in-passing game. But to answer your question, Bryce Love, yeah, he's definitely going to drop. Yeah. Then, now, I, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking second or third. I'm thinking third round, honestly, at this point. Yeah, but also, too, you know, let's not forget he does have his own, you know, issues as far as uh, his draft draft stock as well. Because, I mean, he is kind of undersized. Yeah, he yeah. Reminds you of that uh, Christian McCaffrey type of body. Mm-hmm, yep. So uh, he he already had his uh, question marks as well, but that's why he came back. Yeah, so yeah, he definitely gonna be a day two type of guy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. But to move on to the next subject, uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of these surprise teams uh, that are ranked right now, and you know, just for our region for sake. Uh, okay. This is actually what you were about to say something. I said it's too many. It's too many. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. But um, the ACC, all these teams that I'm naming are in the ACC, um, ironically. But uh, Boston College, Virginia, and Syracuse are ranked. Um, 
That is like so weird. Like we haven't seen Boston College ranked since what 2008-2007 Matt Ryan days. I mean Virginia, when's the last time they've been ranked? We might have been in like fourth or third grade. Um in <laughs> Syracuse have they ever been ranked in football? I mean, this is the first time in <clears throat> probably the whole Donovan McDab days yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah like I I mean, that's Big East days. We're talking early 2000s. But um, I do kind of want to just run through these three teams real quickly. Boston College looked really good against Miami. I think Miami is not a good football team. Um, and i kind of been preaching that this whole year. I don't really believe in Miami. I mean, they've completely dropped out of the top 25, and they're not even getting votes. So, I mean, it, it's pretty bad for Miami at this point. Um, but they dominated in that game 27-14. A.J. Dillon looked like a beast. Um, and I, I think you could argue that Boston College or Syracuse, which just sounds so weird, are the second are, are competing for the second best in the ACC. Um, I think Syracuse is another team that took Clemson down to the wire, and I think they had one of those off weeks uh, against Pittsburgh. And I honestly think this team is the second best team in the ACC. I mean, you got to think about it. They lost to Clemson in a nail-biter, and then the week after that, they lost to Pittsburgh in a nail-biter in overtime. So, I mean, you're looking at a team that could possibly be 8-0. Like, they could really honestly possibly be 8-0 if we really want to sit back and think about it. This Syracuse team is a really good team. I mean, they put up 51 points on NC State, and I don't even know how NC State's defensive coordinator has a job today. I mean, Clemson put up 41 on them, and then the next week, you know, Syracuse puts up 50 on them. I mean, I don't even know how that – but Kevin – I will say this, Kelvin Harmon, he balled out. Ryan Finley did a good job um, in that game as well. But um, Syracuse looks like the real deal, man. I mean, they look like, to me, the second-best team in the ACC. And then Virginia, we talked about them a little bit before the, the podcast. They are 6-2. and two. Um, I like Bryce Perkins. I really do. But I kind of think Virginia 6-2 and two is kind of a fraud in a way. Um, just to name out their schedule, I mean, they really haven't really played anybody worth, you know, worth anything. Richmond, they beat them 42-13. Um, Indiana, they lost at Indiana. Ohio, they beat them. Louisville, you see what they are without Lamar Jackson. They're horrible. Virginia actually lost to NC State. Um um, and we're kind of starting to see NC State's not what everybody hyped them up to be. And then they beat Miami. We see Miami's bad. Duke, I mean, they're not really that good either. And Carolina, Carolina's not good. Um, the Virginia, I mean, don't get me wrong, 6-2 and two for that program at Bronco Mendenhall is huge. Don't get me wrong. But I think out of the three teams I just named, I think they're probably the most fraudulent out of all three of those teams. I think Boston College is a really good team, and I've been telling people that since the beginning of the summer. Um, and I think that Syracuse kind of surprised me, and they're a really good team. And I think Dino Barber is not going to be at Syracuse much longer because he's probably going to have a bigger job coming his way because um, he's really flipped that program around. But what do you think about these three teams, and who do you think is the most fraudulent? Uh, most fraudulent, definitely, Virginia. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> between – I mean, with Boston College, though uh, – I felt like they were going to be pretty straight this year. Yeah, I did too. Especially uh, after, you know, with A.J. Dillon last year, seeing what he did, he was pretty good. And Syracuse, I won't really was sure about Syracuse. I mean, they had beat Florida State in the beginning, but we know Florida State, you know, we had saw that this their garbage. Mm-hmm. But with Boston College beating Miami and Virginia beating Miami, I don't know, those wins don't look as impressive. They don't look that great, right, yeah. yeah. I'm really not sure on – Virginia, but Boston College, I feel like they're, they're pretty I, I really think all these teams are straight, but I think Virginia, Boston College, and Syracuse, I think they're straight teams that are Yeah, they are right. right. They, they are teams profiting off of the ACC being trapped. Being bad, yep. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Louisville, I mean, I guess I guess uh, Lamar Jackson took all the talent with him. I think <laughs> right. I guess Jalen doesn't even play on the team no more. These boys ain't no good. So Carolina, they got one win, and that was the Pitt. And Pitt mm-hmm. is that going four and four? So you look at the you look at the coastal side. You know, it's Virginia, Virginia Tech, which 
Virginia Tech, we know they're not good. Yeah. And then the rest of them is Pitt, Miami. I actually like Georgia Tech. I like Georgia Tech every year. But, you know, they only they only going to get so far with that. Uh, that option, yeah. Yeah, so Duke, I thought Duke was going to be better than what they were this year. But we've seen that was a lie. But and then you look at the um the Atlantic side, again, Louisville at the bottom, Wake, Florida State, NC State, you know, we've seen who they are now. And then mm-hmm. Syracuse, Boston College, and then Clemson. So it's kind of like, like I said, it's just Boston College, I believe they're actually, you know, straight. But as far as uh, Syracuse, I, I give them a straight too, but. Yeah, I think Virginia, Syracuse is straight. Virginia, fraudulent. And yeah. again, you know, these, these are straight teams just profiting off of. A bad the, year in the ACC. Just being trash this year. So that's my thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of. I, I, yeah, I, I basically agree with everything you said. I think. Virginia, Syracuse, and Boston College are all pretty decent teams, but it seems like they're kind of profiting profiting off Florida State not being good, Louisville not being good. These teams that's been good these past few years, they're basically profiting off them not being good. Um, and that's kind of what it is. Virginia Tech sucks this year. I mean, Virginia might actually knock off Virginia Tech for the first time in like 13 years. So, I mean, that very well could happen. I mean, Virginia Tech is a bad football team this year. They are bad. Never forget Old Dominion. I would never forget that long. Yeah, that, yeah that's I still would crazy. Never forget and you know what's crazy? Old Dominion has not won a game since. Yeah. They haven't, they haven't won one game since. Now, just before we get off, you know, these uh, these teams, I forgot where I heard this quote from. It was from a coach. And pretty much he said, as a coach – there's only two or three games where you get your team, everybody in your team to play the hardest that they can. You only, you only get that out of two or three games. And so it makes you start to think about Virginia Tech. I understand these guys probably weren't playing hard, but come on, bro. Like, Yeah, they let Georgia Tech with that offense put up 49 on them. That's the, oh, yeah, ridiculous. let's forget about that. Oh, my oh my gosh. They let Georgia Tech with that option put up 49 points on them. Like, that. They so, put up a forty piece, fam. Like that, that, that just that ain't it, man. So Clemson will probably see Virginia. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking at this point. It's looking like Clemson and Virginia. And Clemson um, would drop at least forty. Yeah, minimum. yeah, yeah. I kind of agree. Um, and, I think Clemson probably is going to drop at least thirty to forty points on them at this rate they're playing right now. And like, Virginia has only two hundred twenty six points forced. That's what he mm. scored this year. Come on. Right. Yeah. They'll, that, yeah. They'll get exposed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I kind of – and, I mean, even if Virginia knocks – let's just say – and the crazy thing is, I mean, it's – Pitt's not even out the situation. They're 3-1 and one right now in the in the conference. Man. So, I mean, they're not even out of the conversation. No, no. They lost to, they lost to Carolina. Exactly. That's And that's the crazy thing is, if Virginia loses – to pit this weekend, I mean, all hell is gonna break loose. Like it's gonna be a mess if Virginia loses the pit this weekend. It's gonna be bad. Uh, so let's hope that does not happen because I think, like you said, either way it go, it seems like at this point the ACC is so bad as Clemson's to lose at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we, we just know Clemson's gonna win this thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I let's think that's pretty championship game and go straight to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, that's the way it's looking right now for the ACC. I mean, it's just really bad. Um, it just really looks bad. And then another thing that really looks bad, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but we got to talk about your guy, uh, Willie Taggart. I mean, this weekend was bad. Clemson put up 59 points on them, 59 to 10 victory. I mean, those 10 points was kind of like trash points. It was bad, man. I mean, Willie Taggart even was kind of attacking some of his players after the game, basically saying, you know, a lot of Wait. the guys gave up, um, showed quit. What, how do you feel about Willie Taggart? And do you think he's the guy to get this job done for Florida State? Man, listen, Florida State, they had their struggles last year and they having the struggles this year, especially when people, you know, talking about the O-line and whatnot. And, you know, everybody was high on Willie Taggart. You know, he's coming from Oregon, you know. I mean, and there was still a talent at Florida State. But, I mean, I give him some kind of credit. At least they're at least, at least 
they're four and four or five hundred right now. But that Clemson game, I knew Clemson was gonna win. But I ain't think it's gonna look like that though. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be I'm a Clemson fan. And I ain't think it's gonna be like that. You can't get fifty nine dropped on you and think everything's gonna be okay. At the it crib. Work like that. So I don't know. Taggart, I'll be I feel like they'll give him a year just because everybody know how bad that O line is. They yeah. can rest the year. But at next season, I'm 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 gonna even say this. If he finishes just at five hundred next season, he ain't coming back. Yeah, I kind of tend to agree. I mean, it was bad, man. I mean, Clemson, and I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not trying to brave about my team, but Trevor Lawrence, um, sir, he's really good at football. <laughs> I'm convinced he, he's really good at football, and I'm just going to keep that at that. He is really good at football. He had four touchdowns and over 300 yards, um, so he had a good game. But, yeah, I mean, with, with Florida State and Taggart, I kind of go back to what you said at the beginning of the year. It kind of seemed like he's a little bit too much of a fanboy. Like, it's almost like he's not even coaching. Like, it's more so he's a fan than a coach. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's kind of how I feel about Because he grew up a Florida State fan, you know. He's living his dream literally right now. You know, and it just seems more so – He's in a fan aspect of it instead of a coach <clears throat> aspect of it. And I think – and it was a lot of Florida State players coming out, you know, on Twitter and on social media talking about how bad it is, like how bad that program has dropped. Um, yeah, and uh, that, was, that, that was definitely the word on him, you know, at the beginning of the season. He seems like he's more of a fan than a mm-hmm. coach. Yeah. I mean, and I, I was going to try to do some research on this and uh, – because I believe uh, before he had came to Oregon, he had he was at U, uh, U, uh, USF, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why people was like so high on him. Because you know South Florida coming from where they come from, you know up to you know where they at now. And that- yeah, hold up, quick quick plug on USF. Uh, they got blew out this weekend yeah. by Houston. Yeah, so they, shout out to they, Houston real quick. But go ahead. Yeah. So um, and then you know when he went to Oregon who at the time wasn't, you know, the same organ that we grew up on, you know, back in high school with mm-hmm. the rifle, yep. you know, yep. and all them boys. So I think I was kind of high on Willie to begin with. But I'm not going to say he can turn this thing around. I think uh, finish the season now and see how they do next season to see what's up. But at the same time, Florida State being the prestigious program they is, or they are, I don't know how, many, how much time they're going to give him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Being that, yeah. You know, Jimbo left it the way he did. And- I'm almost like, did Jimbo know the end was coming? Like, that's just the way I feel because Jimbo just jetted out. And it's like the program just looked like – the program was already going downhill well, see, before hard, he left. It's hard to say because uh, that last year he was there, you know, they went, what, 3-9, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard to say because you still got talent. They still got top recruits from uh, coming mm-hmm. to the state. So I don't know if Jimbo knew the end was coming, but I, as far as Lee Taggart, I think uh, like I said, just let him finish the year out. And I don't know because if uh, players are saying what they were saying, it seemed like nobody sold on him. And you know they, uh, I, I guess Willie got to buy him back or something, but. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because it sounded like to me his players don't even believe in him, and that is a problem. Yeah, so if you ain't got your players on your side, then (laughs) you ain't got nobody. Your days are numbered. Yeah, exactly. But I feel bad because I really wanted, I really want him to succeed. What about what about Dino Barber to Florida State? (laughs) If they do that, I'm not going to lie. That that would be a good. Dino, if he gets picked up by Florida State, as a Clemson fan, I will start to worry because I know within a year or two he's going to have that program on point. Because look what look what he's doing with Syracuse. I don't think. Oh, imagine I don't what he would do with with Florida State. I don't think I want to see that. Only because what? only because I think it's going to look weird on him coaching for another school in the same conference. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I get it, but yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, if he can, if he he's that guy, and he can yeah, go to stay back around. I mean, you know, by all means, do what you do. But I think it'd just be weird if he goes to coach a team in the same conference. 
Saints. No, yeah, no, I, I completely get it. I, I understand, but I'm not gonna lie, they did that, man. They would be loaded. But I want to also talk about another uh, a subject that we kind of talked on, and that's Kelly Bryant. We haven't talked about him in a few weeks. And uh, I know we talked about it a little bit before the recording, but uh, I think an interview with him and Maria Taylor uh, dropped on Friday, I want to say, either Thursday or Friday. Um, it dropped, and I actually watched the whole thing, the whole 18 minutes of it. Um, and Kelly Bryant kind of talked about, you know, everything that's happened over the last month or two, um, you know, the whole – recruiting process of opening up again and you know trying to choose these schools and stuff like that i think it was a very interesting piece and if you haven't seen it you can actually go see it on espn on either like youtube or you can just you know type in kelly bryant interview with maria taylor um it'll probably come up but uh yeah basically in the interview he talked about you know he talked about a lot of good points and I'm, I'm actually i know i was very critical of kelly when the whole situation went down a few weeks ago, but he handled himself, I think very, I think now since the emotions has kind of been taken out of it and he's calmed down a lot um, since, you know, you know, time heals everything. So I think he answered a lot of the questions very maturely, um, very gratefully. I think Kelly did a good job with um, being able to just kind of talk about how he feels about everything openly with Maria Taylor. Um, and I thought that was a really good job and a great job on Maria Taylor as well, um, being able to get Kelly to kind of open up to her about everything that's happening. Um, but he talked about a lot of different things. He talked about the different uh, rec- recruiting uh, visits he's been on and things like that. But main thing that I want to talk about today is what do you think would be the best fit for um, Kelly Bryant? Um, and I'm going to let you actually go first. Best fit? Um, out of the list – I seen in this article about uh, where I'm going is between Missouri, <clears throat> Arkansas, and North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And as far as best fit, that I'm not sure because it seems like uh, with all three of these offenses, you know, they all had the issues. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I personally would like to see him at Arkansas being yeah. paired with Rakeem Boyd. Anybody know Rakeem Boyd, you know, from last chance you season three. And he's having a really good season. Yeah, and he's having a very good season. So I would love to see those two, a duo at Arkansas. And um, as far as Mizzou, I don't really know too much about Mizzou, but I guess it will be, you know, a good fit. Or not a good fit, but it will be interesting Interesting to see him there. And, and as far as North Carolina, I mean, hey, I feel like you'll have a job definitely. So, yeah. <laughs> and then, and, um, but with Missouri, though, it said that uh, he likes it and it checked all his boxes, but he's still not going to uh, make a decision yet. So I, think, I thought that was kind of interesting as well. But right. my pick is Arkansas. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of tend to agree with you. And one thing he talked about in the interview was winning, which I thought was very intriguing. He said, honestly, I don't care too much about winning. I want to go somewhere where it's the best fit. So at me at first, I thought the best fit for Kelly would be somewhere like Auburn, but that was more so for a, if he wants to win now type situation. Yeah. Um, I thought that Auburn would have been the best fit for him, but from what he sounds like, he's not. He don't really care about winning. He did enough of that at Clemson. He just kind of wants to go wherever it's going to fit him the best, which I think is. I think that's a good point. I think that's a valid thing that. You know, he needs to definitely take in consideration. I think Chad Morris, the guy that actually recruited him, um, I think that's playing a big effect in where he should go. And, you know, also, like you said, um, you know, Chad Morris and that offense, man. And then now with the running back, Rakeem, I mean, and everybody, like you said, everybody knows him from last chance you. I mean, he's having a good year. I mean, he's really having a very – impressive year with King Boyd, man. He's really been balling out this year. And I think if you can put, you know, Kelly Bryant in that Chad Morris offense, like I said, Chad Morris is the guy that recruited Kelly Bryant um, out of Ren. He's the one who recruited him. So, obviously, I think Arkansas makes the most sense. And I know I hear him saying Missouri checks all the boxes and all that good stuff. But I think Arkansas, I kind of tend – to go with what you're saying. I think Arkansas makes the most sense, especially with him and Rakeem Boyd in that backfield. 
uh, yeah, I think Arkansas would probably make the most sense to me, to be honest with you. And one thing you said that was uh, pretty interesting and I think uh, worth noting is that uh, <clears throat> um, with Kelly Bryant, you know, saying that, you know, he won a lot at, you know, Clemson and he just goes to somebody that's the best fit and not necessarily winning. I'm glad he recognized that because right. after he leaves Clemson, he probably is not going back to the championship. No, yeah, no. I, mean, play, I don't like, like I don't see Bama falling off. No, and if he ain't going to Georgia, Notre Dame, or something like that, then nah, bro. Yeah, he probably, he yeah. Probably and I think games. he took that to consideration too. Yeah, so he probably wins some ball games, but winning that, winning that chip, nah, bro. Mm-mm. Nope, not happening. Yeah, that's that's not. But I, I agree with you. I tend to agree with you. I think Arkansas, um, to me, I think would be the best fit for him just because he's familiar with Chad. Uh, you know, Chad Morris. He's the one who recruited him. You know, so I think that that would make the most sense to go to um, Arkansas. So I, I think we kind of agree on that one. That Arkansas makes the most sense. But another thing that I want to talk about tonight as well. It's some things that we predicted at the beginning of the season. Actually, I don't know if you noticed it. On, I think it was Saturday night after the Stanford game, I kind of went back and posted some of my predictions on our All Things College Football page, and y'all can go follow that at All Things CFB underscore. Um, I posted some of my old predictions I did when I first started the page. And I was going back looking at some of these predictions like, wow, I had Auburn 9 and 3 this year. How is that turning out? <laughs> Not too good the way it's looking. Like, I had um it was another like I had a couple crazy I had TCU being five and seven. That looks a lot more likely now. Um and a lot of people criticize me for that, for having TCU five and seven. Like, wow, how do you have TCU five and seven? Oh my God. They just went ten and three. Like I and I just had a feeling a down year was in the mix for them. And I just I kind of just felt it. And right now they're three and five. So my prediction is looking pretty good right now. So, uh, what are some things that you kind of predicted this year that you kind of see, and it's either happening or not happening? Uh, well, <clears throat> I definitely thought that Ohio State and Oklahoma was going to stay in the top four mm-hmm. for playoff considerations, which I kind of think that uh, they both still should be considered. Right? Yeah, they can still. Be <clears throat> and um, honestly, man, I just thought Oklahoma was just going to be. They still nice, but I thought, like, like, like I just said, I thought it was gonna be in that consideration. Like, you know, without a doubt, they're going to be up there. Right. But now, you know, nobody saw Ohio State losing to Purdue. Nobody saw Oklahoma losing to Texas, and that was kind of the biggest shock to me. And be, uh, the ACC looking like how it is now. I ain't that. that yeah, that's a shock. And uh, um. Michigan, I think uh, my predictions are still going to come true at Michigan. They're going to get exposed, and they will drop off in the playoff considerations. Right. And I thought Texas and them would be top ten, you know what I'm saying, at this mm-hmm. at, at this point. But other than that, man, it, I, honestly, this season has been wild. Yeah, it has lucky. Now to look about it, and we was talking about this earlier too. Like Kentucky's five and, and seven and one and five and one. Oh in the conference. my god, that's crazy. Man, I ain't. We gonna get in. We gonna get into Kentucky. Yeah, we will talk about that in a, in a few seconds here. But some of the things that I kind of thought, kind of the same as you, like the ACC. I did not expect it to be this bad. I thought Boston College was going to be pretty good this year. I thought NC State would be okay. I had Florida State going nine and three two this year. And that's not working out too good. Um, I did not expect Virginia to be this good. I didn't expect Virginia to take the fall off this bad, nor Miami. Yeah. I thought Miami would go like 10-2 and two this year. Um, and I thought Duke would be a lot better than what they are, too. Yeah. Uh, that's another team. And Wake Forest is another one I thought was going to get nine wins this year, eight wins, which eight wins is still in the picture for them, but it's not likely, but. I mean, nah, I was expecting them to get nine wins this year, and they just do not look that good. Um, I also think that um, Northwestern 
You know, they are 5-1 in the conference right now. I did not expect – I thought Wisconsin was going to be basically running the show on the western side. So that's something that kind of caught me off that guard. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but I didn't know Alabama was going to be this dominant. I'm sorry. Like, I knew they were going to be good, yeah. but I didn't think they were going to be this dominant. Like, yeah. this is ridiculous. Like, they're just so dominant. And we'll see how dominant they really are this weekend against LSU, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I know you wanted to touch up on Kentucky, so uh, I wanted you to talk about that for a little bit. I really hate that Kentucky is ranked number 14. And I think they're just fraudulent. Like, I'm so ready for Kentucky to get exposed. Hopefully that happens. Actually, it looks like that's going to happen this I week. Know it's they're actually, happen. Number, I know it's they're actually number 11 in the country right now. Oh, number 11? Yeah, you're right. I yeah. looked look at the last, uh, last weeks. But uh, they're definitely – I know they're going to get exposed uh, against Georgia. Because, I mean, you got the QB. I mean, do you really trust this guy? He can't – he's another <laughs> Kelly Brown. I mean, I know – I know, I know they uh they beat Florida, but I mean, hey, it is what it is. That's before people knew about Benny Snell, and honestly, they beat Mississippi State, but I ain't really sold on Mississippi State. Yeah, either. I was about to say, yeah, I ain't sold on them either. And definitely not South Carolina. So I mean, I just I just don't believe in Kentucky, and they're going like I I, I hope Georgia drop at least forty on these boys. I think Georgia beats them thirty five to three. I've been predicting that since Sunday. And I think Georgia beats them 35-3. to three. And like I said, man, I, I do not trust Kentucky at all. I mean, Terry Wilson, he's just not that good. He's, he, he's not that good of a quarterback. I'm just going to say what it is. I mean, Benny Snell almost has as much rushing yards as he has throwing yards. That yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> he has five touchdowns, six interceptions. Trust me, a team like Georgia is going to expose him. Benny Snell, though, he's having a good season. He has 935 yards and nine touchdowns. He's having a pretty good season. But, yeah, Terry Wilson, I'm not believing in him. I'm expecting Georgia to put up 35 or more points this weekend on on, on uh, Kentucky. In I'm, Kentucky. On oh, and one more thing. First of all, I, I forgot to say this. My, um, for my, uh, my expectations for this season and what I was shocked by, Mm-hmm. I just want to. I just want to throw out. I was so high on Ole Miss earlier this season. Yeah, that's a so that's a good one, man. Yeah. But I just want to say that real quick. But um, Kentucky, it's crazy. They rank number eleven. I personally believe they may be maybe the fourth or fifth, maybe sixth best team in the SEC. Yeah. Because when you talk about Bama, LSU, Georgia, and then you want to talk about I would even say Florida, even though they lost to Florida. Man, I think man. Florida is better than Kentucky. I say A and M. If you want to be real, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they beat them. I still say Florida is better than than Kentucky though, and they beat uh, Florida. But I think Florida is better than Kentucky personally. Well, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm hating on. Well, actually, I am hating on Kentucky. I mean, I'm not hating on. I'm just calling out the facts. Uh, I, mean, I I have no, um, I guess animosity against Kentucky. I don't have any animosity. I'm just calling the facts. They are a fraudulent team. I mean, they don't have a quarterback. Now, I think if they had a quarterback, now then we talk about something completely different. But they just don't have a quarterback, so I don't really believe in what they're selling. I mean, yeah, the Florida win looks good, but, I mean, besides that, like you said, they really haven't played anybody. Right, so I think uh, Georgia put them in place this weekend. So Yeah, Georgia beat them probably, like I said, like 35-3. And I'll roughly say about 35-3, roughly. And as far as the rest of the schedule, they got Tennessee, mid-Tennessee State, and Louisville. Mm-hmm. It couldn't get no better for Kentucky, to be honest. Right, right. I, I mean, they still can end out the year the way it's looking, what, 10-2? and two? Yeah, so. I mean, that's still a good – for Kentucky football, that yeah. is a great record for them. Like, that is a really good record. But, yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope Georgia puts up, like, 40. I mean, I think they will, though. I think they'll put up a lot of points on them, but, I mean, like I said, it's no hatred towards Kentucky. It's just, I don't think they're that good of a football team, personally. And that's just my personal... I think their defense is pretty good. I will say that. Their defense is pretty good. Um, But I don't think their offense is good at all. Um, Just Benny Snell. I mean, that's basically what they run the ball through. So, I think that's important to note as well. 
Um, but just to kind of jump into players of the week, um, what players did you have that you wanted to talk about this week? Uh, Jake Farmer, <laughs> I think he stepped up this uh, this week and, you know, kind of silenced all the chitter-chatter about, you know, Justin Fields taking the spot. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of he silenced all that. And for him to step up in the Florida game like he did, mm-hmm. I really think he deserves, you know, a player of the week. And Mazi Pick, <clears throat> I didn't know about this guy until this week, but Gardner Minshew, I mean, 40 for 50, 438 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions against the Stanford team. That's pretty impressive. So yeah. those are my two players of the week. Yep, and I had a player of the week from the Utah-UCLA game. Um, I think Zach Moss, he had a really good game. I was really impressed with him. Over 20 yards carrying the ball. I mean, he looked really impressive. And I, like I said, I don't even keep my eyes on the Big 12 like that, I mean, uh, the Pac-12 like that. But, I mean, he looked really good. I mean, he was running the ball all through UCLA. Every time he touched it, it was five yards. I mean, he really, you know what I'm saying, got off on them guys. And another guy that I have to give – and a whole team I have to give a little bit of credit to, and I just praise the team they played against last week and they let me down. But Shea Works for Georgia Southern had 14 carries, 129 yards. And Wesley Fields from Georgia Southern had 18 carries and 98 yards and two touchdowns. App State, man, y'all let me down last week. I know y'all quarterback got hurt in the first drive, but that don't make no excuse for that defense getting ran over like that. I mean, I'm just being honest. Georgia Southern, though, they 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 played a good game. And I think Georgia Southern, I mean, if they're going to put App in the ranks after going, you know, 5-1, and one, I think Georgia Southern should be in the ranks at 7-1. and one, And the only one loss they got to is to the second-best team in the country. Uh, Yeah. I mean, shout out to Georgia Southern because, I mean, they have been a powerhouse, especially when it was in the FCS for a long time. So, and I ain't mad at it. And honestly, the crazy thing is, I think I seen a stat the other day ago that it was like Georgia Southern is the winningest team in Georgia for like the last few years or so. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They When it was FCS, I'm not sure when they made the transition to FBS, but when it was yeah. FCS, they were a powerhouse. They were not. Yeah, they were. They was winning every. They were winning every year, man. So uh, I definitely think I had to get my player of the uh, of the week to those guys. But to talk about the games of the week this week, I think next week podcast may be the best podcast we ever do. And I know I say that every week because it seems like we get better and better every week. But I think that LSU Alabama game is going to be. I mean, that's gonna tell a lot. I think that's going a that's going to tell a lot. I think we can finally see Bama be tested. If Bama blows this game out the water, we're gonna have something to talk about on, on, on next week. Because if Bama blows this game out the water and LSU don't even look like, you know, a team that can hang in the game with Bama, I mean, we're gonna have something to talk about. And then I think if LSU kind of stays in the game with Bama, I think that kind of gives life to these other college footballs, even if they don't win, even if I think it's a, even if I think it's a close game, I think other football teams and college football will kind of gain some life from that. Teams like Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, I mean, uh, not Alabama, Oklahoma. I think teams like that, they'll gain a little bit of Georgia is another one. I think they'll gain a little, you know, kind of like some hope. If, if LSU beats or hangs in the game with Bama, I, I think, I think it's going to be interesting. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. I really do. Yeah, definitely, because uh, Bam ain't really seen a defense like LSU yet. No. But it will be very interesting to see how Tua, you know, plays against LSU. He'll probably play the fourth quarter, you know, maybe, hopefully. So, mm-hmm. But some games I got on my list outside of Bama LSU, that game being obviously the biggest game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to watch that Georgia-Kentucky game. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm hoping Georgia blow these boys out the water, expose them for who they are. And also uh, some games that's worth uh, mentioning as well is uh, West Virginia and Texas. I'm going to tell you another one, too, that I got upset alert ringing for. Oh, I'm telling oh. you now, Notre Dame heads to Northwestern this weekend at 715. That is going to be a good game. I'm telling you now, I got my I got my upset alert bells ringing. I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I think out of any team on that list, I think Northwestern 
poises the most besides Syracuse. I think Northwestern is going to give Notre Dame a run for their money. I'm not saying that they'll lose, but <laughs> I think they're going to give them a run for their money. So that's definitely a game I'm going to keep my eyes on too. All right, all right. And also another game that's uh, worth taking a peek at is probably uh, Penn State and Michigan. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's going to be another good one, yeah. I think that comes on, I think. That is a 345 game. Yeah, I think it comes on. I think there's another game. One of these games is being played at the same time, but mm-hmm. that's a game worth mentioning. And I think, because uh, I mean, really, Penn State kind of underachieved. You know, yeah. just uh, they have. They lost two uh, home games. They did rebound this week against Iowa, thirty to twenty-four. Yeah. So, and um, back to that Texas and West Virginia game. I think we really going to see. How you know who Texas is? Because you know mm-hmm. they just because honestly I never believed in Texas. I mean they lost this past week to Oklahoma State. Right. So I think Virginia. I think they're gonna. I think Woodgirl gonna throw some points on these boys, and I think uh, Texas probably gonna drop down to lower. You know. And, and one more game that I want to mention before we go. Um, another game that I'll watch out for. I'm not saying it's gonna be an upset. That Oklahoma Texas Tech game for some reason. Kind of rings a bell with me. Stop. I don't think Texas Tech will uh, win, but don't be surprised if that game is closer than what you think it'll be. Stop it! Stop. I'm saying I'm serious. Don't think that game is gonna be a blowout. I don't really think it's gonna be that much of a blowout, and it's at Texas Tech. I mean, I still think Oklahoma will win. Don't get me wrong on that. I still think they'll win. But I mean, Texas Tech was in the game with West Virginia. They held their own against West Virginia. They lost by eight points. That's what I mean, a lot of these games that Texas Tech lost, besides the Ole Miss game, where they just got completely, you know, obliterated. I mean, Texas Tech hasn't looked horrible. So, I mean, that's a game I would watch out for for sure. Don't um, get me wrong. I like Texas Tech. But, nah, if anything, it'll be a high-scoring game. Yeah, it's going to be high-scoring. Yeah, definitely. But I believe in Kyler Murray too much to lose to Texas Yeah, no, no. Tech. I don't think – no, that's why I said I don't think they'll lose, though, no. But yeah, yeah, I don't think they'll lose, but I think it'll be like a 56-42 type game or 56-49, something like that. It's a, oh, this game is at 8 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, that's an 8 o'clock Saturday night game, correct. Man, it's kind of weird. I feel like I feel like Texas Tech be playing on like Thursday and Friday nights like every week. Right, yeah. Yeah, they kind of, well, last week they played at Iowa State, or that was on a Saturday, so. Oh. But okay. yeah, they do play a lot. Yeah, they do kind of play on the weeks a lot. I know they play TCU. I think the other week go on a Thursday or Friday night. One of them, I can't remember. But, yeah, uh, I think that, the, that this is actually – I think this next podcast we have is going to be very interesting because there are a ton of good games this weekend. Um, I think this next podcast we're going to be talking about a lot. I'm just going to go ahead and prepare you all now. I think this next podcast is going to be a lengthy one and um, because because it, it's going to be a lot of good games. I mean, we have a lot of good ranked teams that are playing next week. Um, I think this game, I think this, yeah, it's going to be interesting. This next week on the podcast, this week was kind of soft, but I think this next, they were gearing us up for this next week um, of games. So I think this this week right here, it's a lot of good teams playing against each other, and I think we'll be able to tell a lot. I mean, we got Michigan, Penn State, uh, two ranked teams there. We got West Virginia and uh, Purdue, I mean, West Virginia and Texas, two ranked teams there. Um, Georgia and Kentucky, I mean, the list goes on. Alabama, LSU. I mean, I think this week is going to tell a lot about a lot of teams. And especially with uh, the college football playoff show coming on tomorrow. On Tuesday, right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll get our reactions to that. So, yeah, exactly. next week is going to be. Yeah, next week is going to be a, a, a very, very probably lengthy and good podcast. So, you know, we want to say thanks to you guys for continuing to tune in for our podcast, giving us feedback, man. We greatly appreciate you guys. And what y'all do for us, we really do appreciate it. Uh, just keep getting us out. Keep sharing our, you know, podcast. Keep showing your friends, your mama, your dad, whoever. Um, just keep sharing it, man. And we really do appreciate you guys for sure. Definitely, definitely. Just, Jarrell, do you have anything you need to say before we dip out? Man, definitely. Just everything that you said, you know, just shout us out somewhere. Keep on listening. Give us some feedback. That's pretty much it. <clears throat> All right. And I am Tony West, and he is Jarrell Wheeler, man. My thing, my um, like I said, my page is to follow. 
Ayo underscore T Time Nine. If you want to follow my um, personal page, you know I talk about football over there too as well. And then that's on Twitter and Instagram. Ayo underscore T Time Nine. And then um, as well, my college football thing, uh, college football page, all things CFB underscore as well. You can follow me on there as well. And Jarrell, you can give me your handle. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Rel Wheeler. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's a Jarrell NC. All right, man. And we are out, man. We appreciate everything you guys do for us. And you guys have a good week. And we're going to have a special, special podcast for you guys next week. So tune in next week. We appreciate you guys. All right. Yeah. Yeah.